What is up? Hello, and welcome in to another edition of Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast. We are closing in on the holiday season. We are closing in on the end of the NFL season, and we are here to talk about the closing four games and look back at last week's thriller for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I am Trey Downey. You can follow me on Twitter at TD Experience. The other half of this dynamic co-hosting duo, you can follow him on Twitter at Elmar810. While you're clicking that follow button on Elmar810, you might as well click the follow button on Bucks underscore Nation as well. He's the one and only, the Lynn Martez. That's it? That's all you got? What else did you, what what else do you want? Man, I mean, I want I want balloons. I want I want everything, man. It's the holiday season. Fa la 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 la. How, how are people gonna hear balloons? Do you want me to pop your balloons? Yeah, that's right. On? I want them pop, 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 pop goes the weasel, the weasel. <sighs> that's not a Christmas song, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> let's. Uh, <laughs> I can make it into a carol, man. <laughs> and, and, and I and I'm the corny one by bringing up gravy and mashed potatoes on the Thanksgiving. <laughs> You're trying to turn "Pop Goes the Weasel" into a Christmas song. Uh... All right, let's look back at last week. A lot of people uh, before the season circled that game as possibly not only the game of the year on the Bucks schedule, but maybe one of the games of the year in the NFL. And it certainly turned out to be Tampa Bay Buccaneers beat the Buffalo Bills in overtime, get out to a 24 to three lead. Josh Allen leads a roaring second half comeback. And then Tom Brady throws his 700th touchdown to Brashad Perriman in overtime to win the game for the Buccaneers. The Bucs are now 10 and three in a three-way tie for the best record in the NFC as we go down the stretch. Lynn, there's a ton to unpack about that football game, but I'll ask, I'll start with asking you this. What was the most surprising aspect of uh, last Sunday's game against the Bills to you? The defense that the, that the Bills played on Perryman's touchdown, I was closer <laughs> to him than any defender. It's like, where's the defense? It's like, hello? I mean, Tom Brady is obviously a guy who spreads the football around. He had seven different receivers on on Sunday. So everybody's a threat. But after Bashad beat the first guy, it was like no one else was around. I mean, once he got to, like, the the red zone, the 20, the 10, the people closest to him were in the stands. Or was an usher, a security guard that was wearing a yellow coat. On the on the sidelines, I, I can't I, I can't fathom what defense they were playing. The Bills were playing. Um, if you're trying to put pressure on Tom and OT, good luck. He sees it coming. So I, I don't like I said I don't know what defense they were playing on that last play, but everyone's a threat. Everyone's a threat when when uh, when twelve has the football and. You know, it was, it was, eh. I will say this much, as much as the game was a good game throughout, um, let's not forget, man, they blew a 21 point lead. That was the most surprising so, part to me. Yeah. So 
I mean, the way the Bills had their way in the second half. I mean, they allowed just three points. And and I'm, when I say they allowed just three points, I'm talking about the Bills. As bad as their defense was on the final play of the game, they just allowed a field goal in, in, uh, in the, the second half before the overtime touchdown. Do you think that the Bills defense really played that well in the second half, or was it more a case of the Bucks kind of taking their foot off the gas? Because I thought it was a little bit of that. It, it may have been. I mean, the, the Bucks have been notoriously a first-half team. I mean, they've outscored their opponents – believe by 70 plus points in the first half this year. So they've done that a few times, but the thing about it is, you know, you weren't playing the Falcons. You weren't playing one of the lesser teams in the NFL. You were playing a team that was, you know, thought of being a, an AFC, you know, championship contender when, when the season started and before the bills went on their, you know, their tailspin lately and now they're seven and six, you know, they were looked upon that. I, I, I'll say it again. I said it last week when we talked about this game. And I'll say it again. I mean, you can talk about Josh Allen doing what he did. And that, along with the fact that the Bucs only scored three points in the second half until the overtime touchdown, kind of surprising the way Josh Allen had his way in the second half. But they're not going to win anything playing that type of football. I'm talking about the, the Bills. They're just, they're just not. You know, they had they had rushing attempts in the second half. They waited until the second half to give their running backs the football to run the football. The guy is called a running back, which means he is paid to run the football. And their first running play was Matt Breida in the second half. And then all of a sudden they gave it to Singletary a couple of times too. But their quarterback, that being Josh Allen, who had 100-plus rushing yards and 300 yards passing. And, I mean, that that is dynamic enough. But you're not going to win a Super Bowl. You're not even going to win playoff games playing that type of football. Does it matter if where your rushing yards are coming from if you're rushing for yes, that it many does. yards? Though? Why? Yes, it does. Because you're, you're putting too much on your quarterback. You're putting too – you're relying too much on your quarterback. Again – But if he's successful, like, why does that – why does that matter? Like, why – That may be successful in parts of the regular season, but you're talking about trying to do that in the, in the playoffs. You're talking about – Doing that, do, doing that against the elite of, of the elite in the NFL. We can talk about it being parody in the NFL and it being so nice that everybody still has a shot at the playoffs and everything. But let's be honest, there are teams that are like five and eight, six and seven, that have no business being talked about when it comes to the playoffs. That being one of the teams that the Bucs have to play on Sunday night here at Raymond James. That being the Saints. Mm-hmm. I mean... Again, there are teams that are going to make the playoffs that are going to take that away from Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. Then those teams get How to different get- was their running game last year when they came up one game short of, of going to the Super Bowl? Trey that, Daniel, that, Trey but they won, they won two playoff games. Trey, they didn't wait till the fourth, the second, the second no, half. No, no, no. I'm, I, I'm running with back you, to but football. a bit. A big part of that is being down 21 points very fast, and you're trying to get back in the football game. 
They, no, but that, 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 that's fine. But they were still running it. They were just running it with Josh Allen. Their first running attempt yes, with I know. the running back was in the second half. They ran it with Josh in the first half. In, in a part of, I guess, where, where you can say relying on their quarterback too much could be the fact that Josh Allen is now banged up going yes. into a final – the, yes. the final stretch of the season, all and, and all you've got to do is look at look at the NFC NFC West. You mentioned the three way tie, and it's technically not a three way tie, but you mentioned yeah, the yeah. teams being same all, record. Yeah, but the teams being ten and three. Mm-hmm. The Cardinals is one of those one of those teams, and historically, whether it be last year or even this year, Kyler Murray, who is also that type of player as a quarterback certainly much smaller than josh but last year got banged up they missed the playoffs last year because he wasn't 100 at the end of the year he had an out he had an outstanding year up until about week 12 banged up his shoulder and again you're relying on those type of you're just asking a guy to do so much every single play and that's a lot i don't care if it's Josh Allen, who's bigger than Kyler Murray, or if it's Kyler Murray, you just can't. Even Lamar, Lamar's getting banged up. Mm-hmm. Okay, why? Because you're asking your quarterbacks to be everything for your offense, and that's risky, man. No, I agree with you that it's risky. But my kind of takeaway on it is, yes, Allen, yes, Allen is banged up now, and that especially when the Bills are in the situation that they are with their record, where they're still fighting to just get in to the playoffs. Now it, it is a risky thing, but if you're having success at it, I mean, Josh Allen throws for over 300 yards rushes for, for over a hundred yards. If Buffalo wins that football game on Sunday, people are probably talking about on Monday, how far Josh Allen shot up the, the, uh, the odds to become MVP. If you come down, come from down 21 points and beat Tom Brady basically on your and the super, defending Super Bowl champions basically all off of your back, then he deserved to be in that conversation. But I I understand why you say that it's risky, but I also understand a little bit of the Bills and Brian Dable, their offensive coordinator's game plan, because if you're if you're having success at it, I mean, you shouldn't deviate away from something just because of just because of the risk associated with it, if it's the best thing that you do and you're in a situation where you're getting close to being in must-win football games. You got to find another way. You have to find another way. You're asking, you're asking your quarterback to do, it, to do it September, October, November, December, and January. It's not going to work, dude. I can sit here right now and tell you, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, those teams will probably make the playoffs. They're not going far. They're not going far. Again, the competition gets better once you get into the playoffs. But not only that, those guys are already banged up. And you can we can we can talk about it being a you know a 17-game season. Certainly a lot of guys will be banged up moving forward. Lord knows with COVID going on in the NFL and the league too. Mm-hmm. But in this case, you're asking your quarterback again to do that all these games, all these months, and then into the playoffs to be the guy who throws it and runs it. 75, 80, 85% of the time, 
not to mention the fact that teams will take that away. So, I, like I said, I won't. I will be shocked if either one of those teams, with with relying on Lamar or Josh Allen, make it past divisional round of the playoffs. No, I I understand where where you are with that, especially with both guys being banged up, and especially in Buffalo's case where there's quite a few scenarios with so many teams being around that seven and six record where Buffalo doesn't even doesn't even make it in so Buffalo's in a situation not like they were last year where they were able to play at home they're gonna have to go on the road and win these football games but who knows maybe if the weather is as bad as it was on that Monday night game in uh, Buffalo they'd be happy to get away from from Orchard Park um does what happened with was it more to you to me the second half was more about a great performance by Josh Allen than it was the Bucks defense really disappointing me. Sometimes when you're facing one of the best quarterbacks in the league, they're going to have that kind of success on you. I think it was unrealistic for us to go into that game and expect Buffalo and expect both halves to look like it did in the first half. To me, that was just a case of Buffalo got a little bit of momentum and they got something rolling in the second half, still what the Bucs did in the first half, especially in terms of pressure on the quarterback was huge, but I'm not that worried just because sometimes when you're playing the best, the best is going to get the best of you. Yeah, but there was failures when the Bills made that comeback, especially Josh Allen's touchdown run. Let's face it, after all I've discussed about Josh Allen being 75, 80, 85% of their offense. Who do you think is going to have the football in their hands? You've yeah. got to do, you've got to do a better job, especially in the red zone. You've got to do a better job of taking that away, taking those lanes away so that he doesn't run up the middle and score that touchdown the way he did. There were, there were, there were break, uh, I want to say breakdowns in the Bucks defense on Sunday we can talk about them being alarming or not I mean the, the thing about it is for me is that like a lot of things you know what's coming so you should be able to stop it especially if you if you if you pride yourself on being a team that that stops the run Bruce Arians came out last a couple of weeks ago and said nobody can run on us and since then I mean Jonathan Taylor had the game he had in uh, Indianapolis, and then on Sunday, Josh Allen did what he did. They ran it on you. I mean, and you can it could be unconventional with with the quarterback running on, but stop. Still, I mean, your defense has to be able to stop the run, whether it's a quarterback or running back. So you know, again, there were breakdowns in, in that defense, and we can talk about the Bucks taking their foot off the gas, but you take your foot off the gas against the better teams. You're gonna be going home in January. <laughs> no, for sure. As you mentioned, as you mentioned, you know, the Bills win that football game. I mean, yeah, they went three and out in their in their possession in overtime, but they forced overtime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they forced overtime. And you know, in reality, you wouldn't have thought that game would be that close close based off of the first half. And the Bucks defense. There was a, a point in the fourth quarter when the Bucks kicked that field goal where I'm like, they were close down in the red zone. Some people were 
thinking they should go for it in that scenario. And I'm like, no, you got to put it, you got to go up three scores. You got to make it, uh, you got to make it, I believe it would have been a 17 point game because at that point you're almost icing it. And it didn't ice it, but good thing that they put those points up on the board or else uh, Buffalo would have won the game with uh, with the field goal there at the end. And I mean, when you're playing the best, this is going to happen, but hopefully the Bucks learn from some of what happened in the second half to where they don't find themselves in this kind of scenario again, because as you mentioned, when you play the, when you play the best and you take your foot off the gas, the best is going to end up beating you. And Buffalo isn't even necessarily the best this season. And if you're playing uh, an Aaron Rodgers or an Arizona football team in the playoffs, who knows what's going to happen in uh, in that scenario. Now let's start to talk about this stretch run that the Bucks are going to be on starting this Sunday, Sunday night football, New Orleans coming in. Uh, the Saints beat the Bucks on Halloween night earlier this season uh, in New Orleans. Now they come here to Raymond James Stadium and the Saints have kind of owned Tom Brady in the regular season. We saw what happened uh, in last year's games. This one's important. I mean, if you look at the rest of the Bucks, uh, the Bucks schedule, there shouldn't be another loss on this schedule. Out of the three teams that are competing for that number one seed in the AFC, I, I mean, do you want to still throw Dallas or uh, the Rams in there? I mean, it's possible that they end up with it, but I think that it is still probably a three-team race between Green Bay, between Arizona, and between the Bucks. There shouldn't be a loss on, on the rest of the Bucks' schedule. You play Carolina twice, who has no clue who their quarterback is. Cam Newton has not worked out. Uh, they fired Joe Brady, and then you play the Jets. Don't even need to really, you know, uh, address that one. But then the Saints. The Saints are fighting for a playoff spot. And I said going into that game earlier that earlier this season that I didn't think it should be competitive. And then the Saints pretty well handled the Bucs in that one, even with Jameis Winston going, going down and Trevor Simeon uh, coming in and playing the majority of that game. Why should we expect – I mean, I expect it to be different on Sunday, but maybe that's just a case of just looking at the team's rosters and the way they've been playing – and it's in Tampa Bay. Am I an idiot for going back to before that first game of the season and thinking that this one is going to look the way I thought the first one was going to? Or is it going to be another tougher game than a lot of Bucks fans would probably expect? Yeah, you can't do that to me. You can't set me up and call yourself an idiot. Um Oh, and you then, want you you want to call and then you want to call me an idiot? Yeah. <laughs> No, you mentioned the fact that uh, Brady struggles in the regular season against the Saints because he did beat them in the playoffs last year. But not only that, the Bucs have struggled against the Saints in the regular season before Brady with with Jameis. I believe if I have it correct, the Saints have won six straight regular season games versus the the Bucs. And the thing about the Saints is, granted, they played the Jets last week. And Taysom Hill had a couple of rushing touchdowns and, and they beat up on the Jets 30 to 9. But that ended a five-game losing streak. 
The Saints have been playing pretty bad football. And granted, it, it required a quarterback change and Trevor Simeon to Taysom Hill. But the only way that the Saints win this football game on Sunday is if they find a way to control the Bucks' offense. And because they're not gonna, they're not scoring more than 20 points versus the Bucks. That's number one, based off of how they run their offense. But not only that, the proof is in the pudding. Because when they allow 22 points or less, they're five and up. When they allow 23 points or more, they're one and seven. So the only way they're going to win this football game is if, again, they control the Bucs, who have been putting up massive points at home all season long. Tom keeps, you know, he only had two touchdowns on, on, on Sunday versus the Bills and also had a rushing touchdown. But most games at home this year, he's put up at least four touchdowns. Martez math, real simple. Bro, even if suck up misses a couple of a couple of extra points, that's still 24 points. The Saints ain't scoring 20, 24 points on, on Sunday. And again, when they don't score or when they allow more than 23 points, they lose. So the only way the Saints end up winning the game on Sunday is if they find a way to slow down Brady, who hasn't been slowed down at home this year. All right, let's look at why this game is so important for the Buccaneers. As I mentioned, I don't think that there should be another loss on the schedule. And I think based on the other two team schedules, if the Bucs are able to get to 14 wins and get to 14 and three, I think that they should end up having home field advantage and the number one seed uh, in, in the NFC. I already went over the Bucks schedule. They've got New Orleans this week, day after the day after Christmas, they're in Carolina to face the Panthers. Then they face the Jets, and then they close out the season at home against the Panthers. The Packers, who currently have the one seed in the AFC, go to Baltimore this weekend. Then they host the Browns, who are fighting for a playoff spot, host the Vikings, who are fighting for a playoff spot, and who they lost to earlier this season in Minnesota. And then they close out the season with the Lions. That should be a win. But I think that there, there's a stronger possibility that Green Bay loses one of those three games against teams that are fighting for a playoff position than the Bucs losing any of their games. Now let's look. That's, at no, there's four games there. I mean, I, well, you, you, yeah, you're, yeah. Dismissing, you're dismissing Detroit. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Let, let's, look at, let's look at Arizona's schedule. Arizona, they go to Detroit this weekend. We'll dismiss that one. That should be a win for the, for the Cardinals. But then after that, they host the Colts, fighting for a playoff spot in the AFC. I'm on record as saying I think that they're very dangerous should they get into the playoffs. Then they go to Dallas, who Dallas, with that win this past weekend over Washington, probably iced uh, the division title, but they're still fighting. I mean, technically, they're only one game back, so they're not only fighting for seeding, but trying to get into that conversation for a playoff spot. And then they close out the season against Seattle, who they're five and eight right now, but I get but by, by week 17 or by week 18, they shouldn't be, shouldn't be in playoff Sierra, contention. Well, Sierra's already packing. She's already <laughs> packing. Is she going to, is she going to goods in, in their home in Seattle, dude? Getting ready to, getting ready to go to New Orleans. That's it. Ready, I, I get, ready, ask, get ready to go somewhere. So I want to ask you, I want to ask you that, that I did want to talk about that 
this week because the Bucks are playing the Bucks are playing the Saints. Jameis Winston before he before he went down with an injury in that Bucks game in terms of turnovers and in terms of efficiency was having probably the best season of his NFL career. But he goes but he goes down in that game. What do you think that the Saints are going to do this offseason in terms of quarterback? Does Jameis Winston get another shot? Is New Orleans heavily in on the conversations with a Russell Wilson or even an Aaron Rodgers? Even though uh, if you listen to commentary on Sunday Night Football last week, Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels were both saying they walked away from their meeting with Aaron Rodgers thinking that there's a chance that he actually ends up staying in Green Bay. Uh, Does New Orleans go after a quarterback in the draft? They're in a very interesting spot, and a lot of that conversation, I think, has to circle around what they decide to do with Jameis Winston because, yes, Jameis Winston chose to sign there when Drew Brees was there, but if you're Jameis Winston, I'm not sure that you want to be back in New Orleans if a Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers is on that roster. Yeah, I couldn't see Jameis doing doing the backup role again, especially with the fact that he wouldn't be the quarterback in waiting as he was with Drew Brees, number nine there in New Orleans. But before the quarterback situation needs to be squared away in New Orleans, and this is just me thinking out loud, I don't know that Sean Payton is, is, is a lot to, to be back in, in New Orleans. Because They're not going to fire him, though. I didn't say they'd fire him. Okay. He can go find another job. Can go find another challenge. The, the Saints are what they are when, when it comes to being in the NFC South. And honestly, I mean, Sean may look at what's going on here in Tampa Bay and think, look, the Bucs haven't won a division since 2007, but they're going to win it this year with a four-game lead over the Falcons and, and the Saints so far. The Bucs lock up the division title with a win on Sunday With a Sunday win on night. Sunday night. They win the division, like I said, for the first time since 2007. But Sean may be counting on the fact that that guy number 12, who says he wants to play till 50, will probably play, ne- will play next year and may play a, a season after that and another season after that. You're talking about two, three more years of Tom Brady with the Bucks. And as long as Tom is here, this team is going to win a lot of football games. That in itself could have Sean Payton thinking, hmm, I need to go find me another place to be a head coach. And is there that. a job? Is there a job though that's that could possibly be open that would really be that intriguing to Sean Payton to leave to leave oh, New Orleans? There's at least two. What are they? There's there's one there's one in Dallas if Mike McCarthy falls on his face and gets canned there. Sean's already worked there with Jerry, and maybe he won't have as much control as he has in New Orleans as far as as playing the roster is concerned, because that's Jerry's thing, Jerry and Steve Jones, his son. But that's one job, Dallas, and there's another job in New York that could turn over a whole lot of bodies from from the general manager to the head coach. And Sean already has history there in New York and he could end up being the the Giants head coach general manager and that (laughs) roster is just in such a two two first round picks 
literally in the top six or seven, and he'd have a whole lot better chance to win a division in the NFC East than winning in the NFC South as long as Tom is taking snaps here in Tampa Bay. And like I said, it's probably going to be another two, three years before Tom hangs it up. And with that, New Orleans is not winning the division. I'm sorry. I don't care. I don't care who they get at quarterback. Unless they go out, unless they get one of these two guys, Russell or Aaron. And that's not a lot. Do you think that it'd be what about what about this scenario? What because I don't think that there's a scenario where Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson are both back in Seattle. Could you see a situation where Carroll is let go and instead of Russell coming to New Orleans to be with Sean Payton, that Sean Payton would go to Seattle to be with Russell? Same thing would, would be the hangout for me for him going to Seattle. That's an ugly roster, dude. They got a lot of problems in, in Seattle. And I know I mentioned the Giants. And they certainly have a lot of issues there, but they have the draft capital. The Seahawks do not. They traded for Jamal Adams, and they wasted it a couple of years ago thinking they were going to make a Super Bowl run, and they haven't. And because of it, their roster has suffered. In New York, Sean gets to pick everything he wants. If he goes there and ends up taking a job, and like, like I said, it's just and Joe me, Judge has to get fired there. It's first. me speculating. I don't think of that's course. a slam dunk. Of course. No, it'd be total clean house. Yeah. It'll be cleaning house totally with Gettleman and Judge. But again, it's just me speculating. But the option is to, is to go there and you can pick and choose your quarterback. You can draft one if you want to draft one. You can do whatever you want. Like I said, you've got two top six, seven picks. You, you can trade them if you want to trade. If you want to trade for Russ, you can do whatever. You, you can do whatever you want, however he feels fit to better that roster. In Seattle, he can't do that, dude. They don't have to draft capital. And again, that, that team is that, that team is is nowhere near competing in the NFC West. They're the worst team. quarterback and wide receiver, but that's about it there. They're the worst team in the NFC West. Why yeah. would he go there? Yeah, I'm with Russ, you. Russ, yeah. Ain't doing nothing, Russ ain't doing nothing now. And that team is bad. Bad. So let's talk about one job that is open that I think Bucks fans should already have their eyes on. Urban Meyer let go in the wee hours of the night by the the Jacksonville Jaguars, who Shad Khan makes the decision. Uh, I don't know how much of it was based on the story that came out yesterday with uh, the Tampa Bay Times with Josh Lambeau, uh, the kicker, saying that Urban Meyer kicked him during warmups earlier this season. But it it's known that Shad Khan, father of Tony Khan, who also works in the Jacksonville Jaguars organization was in Dallas last night at the AEW wrestling event. Of course you so got to plug that. Of course you got to no, throw that in. No, I'm, I'm just it's saying that they, guy. I'm just no, I'm just saying that it's interesting that he's at the event and then after the event is when he is when he decides to let go of Urban Meyer. Just a, just an interesting thing because you don't see a lot of this in in the NFL where these owners are this much involved in other sports or entertainment you know things that much so that it was just an interesting thing to the story that it happens in the wee hours of the night after he was at uh he was at that event uh near dallas texas last night but there's two 
two ways that are two storylines to go here. And I'll start with this before the way that I think that it's going to impact the Bucks moving forward. Are you surprised that this turned out to be as big of a train wreck as it ended up being, Lynn? Am I surprised? No, I'm not surprised by, by the results on field. I am kind of surprised of what's come out off the field, especially after <laughs> the issues that Urban Meyer had in Gainesville and also in Columbus. It's like, and, and, and as much as I want to say I'm surprised, here's the thing. Leopards don't change their spots. <laughs> okay. Urban Meyer is what he is. That's why you want to, you want a Bucks tie-in? Here's a Bucks tie-in. I say Leopards don't change their spots. That's why number 81 is going to go through the issues he's going through eventually when he comes off suspension of whether or not he's going to be playing or whether or not he's going to be playing his final games in Tampa Bay and they make one one with him and they get rid of him. But that's besides the point. Leopards don't change their spots. And that's Urban Meyer, dude. He had his issues, again, everywhere he's been. Maybe not at Utah. Maybe we don't know as much as, as we know about what happened in Gainesville and Columbus. We don't and know now, a ton about the Bowling Green run either. Yeah, and, and <laughs> but now what came out of Duval County and, and, the, and the road trips he's had and hanging out at bars with women he shouldn't be, all women he shouldn't be hanging out with. And you know what? I'll tell you one thing. Urban Meyer is not in the good, best of health to be kicking another man. He's lucky Josh, Josh Lambeau didn't whip his old ass. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, you can, you can talk about kickers being kickers in the NFL. Bottom line is Urban Meyer is in his 60s, okay, with a heart issue. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. Kick me, old man. I'll whip you. He's lucky Josh Lambeau didn't put it on him. I'll tell you what. Go Maybe Shad and Coney should have Shad and Tony should have put that in the the AEW ring. Yeah, here we go again with yeah. the wrestling thing. <laughs> let 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 Urban Meyer kick Matt Gay, who's about six feet two twenty two thirty. Yeah. Let him go yeah. kick uh, Aldrich uh, Rosas, who's about six two six three and goes about two twenty two thirty. Who's the who's the the punter that used to punt for the Giants? Oh, he has all the workout videos. The first name is Steve. Steve, I think his name is, is it Weatherford? Weather that 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 Steve Weatherford used to be a punter in the NFL. That's I don't know who, if that's who that's you're who I'm thinking about. of. Okay. Let Urban Meyer go kick him. Hey, whip his old butt. <laughs> He's I mean, think about that. A grown man who's supposed to be a leader of other men kicks him? Oh, he's and you he, kick him in the legs where he makes his money. What the he, heck? He is so he is so lucky. He is so he's lucky that one of the other teammates didn't whip his behind foot. He's lucky that long snapper didn't come back and knock him on his butt for kicking the kicking the kicker. How damaging is this to to Urban's legacy? Is he more remembered for this than winning the national titles that he that he won now? It's the latest, it's the latest thing. Here's the thing about it too, when it comes to Jacksonville. <laughs> Think about where Jacksonville had been 
2017, dude. This is a team AFC that, Championship. This is a team that was in the AFC Championship and was leading the fourth quarter against yep. the New England Patriots in Gillette Stadium by 10 points. By With the way, Blake Bortles at quarterback. By the way, in a game that Josh Lambeau kicked the field goal in. Yeah. But they were winning by 10 points in the fourth quarter. It took two Danny Amendola touchdowns for the Pats to beat the Jacks. But here's the thing. Since then, 5-11, and 6-10, and 1-15, and 2-11 and this year. And you know what? All those losing records <laughs> have nothing on what Urban Meyer did to that franchise. Nothing. You think, think he coaches it. again? What's that? You think he coaches again? Yeah, in, in some Presbyterian high school. I think I it's hire him. Who's going to hire him? I think I don't think he's getting a blue blood or even a Power Five job in college. But I could see a a Group of Five team, maybe maybe his old stomping grounds, maybe Bowling Green. And you know what? Needs a new coach in a couple of and years. They I could see him, him go in there. They get what they deserve because you you know it's not going to end well. It's I think not going to end well. I think Brett McMurphy. Uh, Tampa guy formerly of the of the Tampa Bay Times did a survey and I think he said something about something like 85 percent of uh college football athletic directors that uh he talked to wouldn't even consider Urban Meyer so uh, I'm telling you if you're in that 15 percent and you want to hire him you get what you deserve because like I said I just ran it down to you the last four years since they won the AFC championship game. And that is nothing compared to what that man has done off the field in his 13 games as their head coach, whether it be, whether it be the argument with Marvin Jones, who probably wanted to whip his behind kicking Josh Lambeau to the situation where he's hugging up on a woman in some bar in Columbus and Allegedly not, calling his coaches losers. And hiring who he was who he hired to be a strength and conditioning coach. Yep. Like I said, dude, like I said, 5 and 11, 6 and 10, 1 and 15, 2 and 11. That has nothing on what he left and what he did off the field. All the mistakes he made. Again, if you are someone that wants to hire him, good luck. You get what you deserve when you hire him. All right, let's talk about why I think this ties into the Buccaneers uh, big time. I think I'm willing to put out a prediction. I'm supremely confident right here, December 16th, 2021, that the next head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars is going to be Byron Leftwich. To me, it just makes too much sense. One of right there with Mark Brunel, maybe as the best quarterback in the history of that franchise, you probably want to bring in an offensive mind to help mold your number one pick in, in Trevor Lawrence. You probably want to get the bad taste out of your mouth of Urban Meyer that has left with that fan base. And I think going back to a former player, uh, a guy who had success there leading you to the playoffs as a quarterback, uh, was the offensive coordinator on one of maybe a back-to-back Super Bowl champions. I think it just makes too much sense. Byron did not get an interview when they hired uh, Urban Meyer last year. Uh, part of that was because of the Bucks' deep playoff run. But to me, I 
maybe a Bucks a deep Bucks playoff run prevents that again this year, but I think it just makes too much sense, and I gotta think that that is the the first name that uh, Shad Khan is going to be dialing up. I, I I don't know that that's the case, but it's not it's not a bad take. Here's the thing: if you go with a first time head coach, he certainly has to be leading the pack, right? When it comes to the potential defensive coordinators or offensive coordinators that could be getting hired for this job, whether it be Eric Bieniemy and all, and you can run them down to all to all the guys that will be first time head coaches. Leftwich, because of his ties, as you mentioned, should be the leading candidate when you talk about the first time head coaches. But I would not be surprised. You would not surprise me if Mr. Khan wants a bigger name. And he goes out and gets someone that's already been a head coach and he recycles someone. Look, would I want to see that happen? No, no. I, um, <laughs> I, have, a, I have a strong opinion about recycled head coaches and it's not a very good one, especially when you have guys. Who- I just don't even know what kind of sexy name is out there as a recycled head coach that especially even with that fan base that would make more of a splash than it Byron. All de- it all depends on what happens on, on black Monday and who gets canned and who gets fired. Oh, you're meaning somebody who gets fired this season and yeah. they automatically I mean, that, 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 Like, like I said, it, okay. could be, it could be a recycled coach. That's, you know, that, that loses his job in, in the league this year. I mean, or it could be someone who's an offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator who, who was a head coach in the league that ends up, getting another shot at being a head coach again. They interviewed Raheem Morris last year, and he's uh, had some success this year as a defensive coordinator. Raheem Morris and Bienemy were two of the names that they interviewed uh, last year before they went after Urban Meyer. I just think that the the Leftwich thing makes too much sense because I think a lot of – because of what Urban did to that organization, I don't know – I don't know how many huge names are going to be – lining up to take that job yes you have a guy in Trevor Lawrence who a lot of people still think could be you know a franchise quarterback in this league but the to me the the Byron thing just makes too much sense and I think that the Bucks are definitely going to be in a situation where they're looking for a new offensive coordinator in 2022 I mean if it isn't the Jacksonville job there's got to be another job out there Byron's got to at least get interviews this year and it's going to be interesting too to see if I mean if the Bucks win again does Bruce ride off into the sunset the so it's a it's a very interesting dynamic with what the Bucks have in their in their coordinators and a head coach who you're not a hundred percent sure is going to be back the next season if you're talking about another team if Bruce was a a younger guy who didn't have health issues in the past, who didn't already retire once, you're saying, oh, there's no way that Bruce Arians isn't the coach of the Buccaneers next season. It's not a it's not a slam dunk just because of the situation the Bucs are in. Whether it's Byron, whether it's Eric Bieniemy, whether it's, like I said, someone that has a job already in the league, fix the quarterback. Whether whether it's other guys who have already been drafted into this league and have had bad situations, gone through head coaches and offensive coordinators. These guys come into the league talented, ready to, ready to do whatever it takes to be your franchise quarterback. Trevor Lawrence is supposed to be the, the next big thing. 
And I'm not talking Brock Lesnar. Don't don't give me the WWE. You, you with the wrestling. Yeah, no, no, because I know you were thinking it when I said the next big thing. But Trevor Lawrence was supposed to be the next big thing. He was supposed to be the thing that attracted you to this job. Unfortunately, it attracted the wrong man. <laughs> Boy, I, I, I've been thinking about this ever since, ever since the Lambo, the Josh Lambo thing came out. I was like, man, I cannot believe like that old dude went and kicked somebody else. Like he's lucky he didn't get his ass kicked. <laughs> I mean, dude, you kick a football player? I don't even care if it's a kicker, dude. He, like I said, he is lucky that the holder didn't come and kick his behind. Let's just put it this way. If it would have been Lynn Martez that he kicked, they would have been meeting at the Jeep later. Uh, let's, let's... It wouldn't have even gotten that far. It wouldn't even gotten that far. I probably, it, would, it, would, it probably would have been a homicide, man. I'd have given that, I'd have given that old man a heart attack. All right, let's talk about this weekend in the NFL. Uh, games are starting to matter more as we look at the look at the records and who's fighting for a playoff spot. And the game to me that I have circled is the Saturday night game, Indianapolis and New England. A ton of history there from the Peyton Manning and Tom Brady rivalry. AFC go, Pats, go! To me, as I said, I think that the Colts are a very dangerous team. The Patriots right now are tied with Tennessee at a nine and four record is having uh, the best record in the AFC and the Patriots beat the Titans. So they currently have home field advantage. That's the one that I have circled. And that's the one where I think Indianapolis could make a big statement. I said that I think they're dangerous. If you go in and you beat a team that is on this kind of streak and it's a team that holds the number one seed in the AFC right now, you're seven and six. You're not, you're not going to get to the, 11 and six is not going to get you the first round by, but if you beat the number one, the number one seed, not only does it help your chances of making the playoffs, it makes a statement. That's the one that I've got circled this weekend. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going with the team that's tied with the, the, uh, the bucks for the number one seed in the NFC. And the fact that you're talking about how tough their schedule is. Well, let's see on, on Sunday when the Packers visit Baltimore and have to take on the Ravens. There's, see, there is a difference between this Packers team of the past and the t- team that's presently paying, playing in Lambeau. And that is the fact that they're not reliant on number 12 as much as previous teams. He's had to basically cover up and fix a lot of shortcomings of previous Packer teams. Not anymore, dude. Not anymore. I, I, I'll continuously say it, and I, and it happens every every Sunday. I, yeah, I know they had their slip up against Minnesota, but Aaron doesn't throw for three hundred every game, dude. He doesn't have to. And like I said, they had their slip up against Minnesota, but defensively they're playing good football, and because of that, they're a solid, strong football team up and down, and. Their running game is nasty, but Dylan Jones, if they stay healthy, you know, you could have maybe wanted to get a number two wide receiver in there, but they find a way, man. And 12 finds a way. And the biggest thing that 12 doesn't do, I'm talking about Aaron Rodgers, he doesn't get that ball away, dude. And you win, listen, you're going to win a lot of football games in the NFL 
you win a turnover ratio, turnover margin. And which surprised me because Minnesota was able to beat them with Kirk Cousins as quarterback. And Lord knows Kirk Cousins, he turns that ball over like apple turnovers in the bakery, baby. But he, he didn't, he, you know, he, he kind of stayed away from that against the, the Packers that last game. But I'm, I'm intrigued to see how the Packers are, are able to, uh, to handle Baltimore and, and continue on their continue, you know, winning ways. <sighs> I know you mentioned the Bucks not losing another game, and you're probably right. But dude, honestly, I don't see the I don't see the Packers losing another one either. The Packers will probably be favored in the rest of their games. They've just got they they well, have competition they, is different. They, I get yeah. it. I understand. So let's. I mean, there's a ton of other good games as far as I mean this. When you're listening to this podcast, the Thursday night game between Chiefs and Chargers. Uh, would have already happened, but that's a game first place in the AFC West. And the Chiefs are also nine and four. So the Chiefs are still in play as far as, you know, the road to the Super Bowl going through Arrowhead once again. Raiders and Browns on Saturday, too. That's a game that teams still fighting to get in the playoffs in the AFC. Washington football team going to Philly to face the Eagles. Whoever wins that game, there's definitely a ton of scenarios where you could see that's who the Bucks play on wildcard weekend if they don't get the first round by. Bengals and Broncos, both of those teams are still fighting for the playoffs. Big Ben's last stand with the Steelers. They really need to win that game at home against the Titans. And then you've got the Falcons at the 49ers. Another one, too, as far as these teams trying to get to the love playoffs. up those lousy football teams. Man. Yeah, but it's it's just interesting to oh, me. Yeah, I'm going to be interesting, interesting to see who, teams are six, who, eight, uh, teams who six, actually eight, gets in the six, playoffs. Six, eight, one. You want to tell me about their playoff chances? I don't think I brought up a team with eight losses yes, you today did. other than, other the, than Seattle. Or what's what's the Steelers like? They, six, six, and one. Six, six, six and, one. and one. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, you brought up teams with seven losses. I did. I did. Yeah. Multiple teams with seven losses. I did. I will not. I will not lie, and uh, we're probably going to see. Can't lie. It's being recorded, of course. And you're not going to cut this out. And I, I never claim. Why I never. Why would I, why I cut it out? You want you you want to tell me about lying or not, dude? I'm a I'm a fan of I'm a fan of all football. I'm going to be watching these bowl games with six and six teams against each other. So no, no, I don't. Is, I don't mind. I don't mind that. I just laugh at you when you told me talking about the playoffs and you mentioned teams that, like I said, have six losses, seven losses, and eight losses. Hey, one of those teams is, is going to get in, man. Right now, Washington holds the seventh seed in in the NFC, and they've already got seven losses. So that team, uh, stop it! That, that that's so bad offensively. Ugh, my gosh! I told you that last week too. I knew they were going to. Is that the one? It, it, if you're the, we'll get into this more once it kind of shapes out. But that's kind of got to be the the one team that you're the bucks. If you don't get the buy, that's gotta be the one team you kind of want to avoid though. Who the, the Washington football team. Yeah. No. Last year was last year, dude. It's a different year. Last year was last year. Look at this year. Yeah. But that's that, that was a regular season game. They came off a buy. They were feeling themselves. They just, it's a bad Sunday. It's all. Okay. Okay. It's a bad Sunday. But to, We'll see. I mean, obviously, you don't want to play San Francisco, but they're probably. I would rather them play. I would rather them play the Washington football team and be pissed off that they lost to them in the week they lost to them and let them have a 19 play drive. Right now, if you don't get the bye, you're probably playing one of these. You're probably playing Washington, Philly, 
San Fran, Atlanta, or Minnesota. Or I guess the Saints, if the Saints beat you this weekend. There's six teams still at this at this stage that the Bucs could play trash, on wildcard trash, weekend. Trash, and we cycle trash. <laughs> or, they, or they could be not playing at all. Maybe maybe Minnesota's one of, kind of dangerous out of those teams. I mean, they beat Green Bay early. I don't know. But, but we're going we're gonna to talk about if the Bucs are playing on wildcard weekend. Let it play out. We're gonna t- yeah. Let like it play out so, so that so that the next time we find we do another podcast, that all these scrub teams you keep bringing up will be will be weeded out, filtered out, and and we'll get at least the better of the the teams with under five hundred records at the top of the playoff seating, as opposed to going through teams that are like ninth ranked and you want to talk about them. Well, certainly, certainly Washington and Philly play this weekend, so that. That's like I that. said, they're going to be filtered out because they're playing each other. And Atlanta and San Francisco playing each filtered other this out. weekend as well. So uh, we'll be back next week. We'll be even more holly and jolly uh, next la, week. La, 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 la. The podcast will probably come to you a little bit earlier next week. Lynn and I still have to work out exactly when we're going to record. But uh, we will have a show for you going into uh, the Christmas holiday for you to enjoy on your on your road trips as you head to head to families uh, places for for the holiday. So we will be back with you next week. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, do us a huge favor and click that subscribe or like button or plus sign. I believe is what it is on Apple Podcasts these days. And if you are so inclined, leave us a review as well and let us know what you like and what you don't like about the show. He is Lynn Martez. You can follow him on Twitter at LMart810. I am Trey Downey. You can follow me on Twitter at TD Experience. Check out BucksNation.com on a daily basis and follow Bucks Nation on Twitter at Bucks underscore Nation. Until next week, this has been Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast. <laughs>